Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine radio show. Hey baby, what's your sign? Mine is neon and it says, open all night. Now, I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It is the Pipes Magazine radio show. Yes, the sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining weekly pipe smoking broadcast. And I am your host, Brian Levine. It's Tuesday night, and I am back from the Chicago Pipe Show. Yeah, back with a uh, little gravelly voice. But anyway, in uh, tonight's show in Pipe Parts, I'll recap some of uh, some of my uh, going-ons at the uh, at the pipe show for you. My guest tonight is uh, pre-recorded from uh, earlier today, but it's uh, Vernon Vig, who is the most recent, one of the most recent two doctors of pipes. So we'll uh, hear from him, and uh, I've heard it already. Lots of good stuff. Lots of good stuff in there. Um, mailbag, rant, all that. Not going to do any music tonight because uh, I know uh, Mr. Vig went long, so but it's a lot of good stuff, so we'll let them do that. Uh, all that coming up in uh, tonight's episode of the Pipes Magazine radio show. And uh, do not forget, this is the last week of the JDRF fundraiser. Thank you very much to whoever bought that Tom Richard pipe. I think, uh, if I remember right, over $250, so that was that's great. We are going to exceed our goal this year. And I am absolutely thrilled and uh, just can't say enough about uh, how wonderful you uh, pipe smoking community are. But again, one more week and uh, the highest uh, cash donation gets a uh, Lunting Society pipe. Thanks to the uh, Pipe Lunting uh, Society. Check them out and we appreciate that. So uh, keep it coming. More the merrier. Hey, and uh, speaking of that, daughter's home from school. So... (laughs) Uh, it's gotten a little noisy around here. Yeah, I come back from Chicago, and uh, daughter's here, so a little noisy. Um, anyway, all right, enough of that. Let's get the show rolling. Everybody sit back, relax, fire up a bowl. Thank you all for tuning in, and here we go. All right, so my Chicago week started off arriving in uh, the Chicago area on Wednesday afternoon. I uh, had a couple of a uh, couple of quick meetings in town, and then decided to uh, try to sit in traffic all the way out to Pheasant Run, which, if none of you have, uh, if you haven't been there before, it's uh, 45, 50 miles due west of downtown Chicago. So it's a uh, it's like two counties over and almost to Iowa is the way I describe it. Um, the uh, the first night I spent up in the uh, smokingpipes.com suite hanging out with them and uh, Chip and I did an old fashioned we we went way old school on this and we did a horse trade one of my pipes for one of his and uh, we're we're both happy campers we both lit up our uh, new to us pipes right then and there uh, the next day I had a couple of appointments around. And then uh, got to spend the evening. There was a cocktail party that I went to. But, uh, yeah, just kind of had a couple of appointments. And, again, some of the rooms started to open up. Uh, and the room hopping, you know, not quite as big as it used to be because of the uh, smoking issue at Pheasant Run. But, again, still still good fun. 
uh, did manage to pick up a uh, Kamoy's uh, specimen straight grain that has a hairline crack in the bowl, so I got it for a steal, and I'll just take care of it and nurse it along, and uh, uh, hopefully it'll be a good little smoker for me for a while. But uh, but again, just that hairline crack, and I've got to you know got to make sure that I keep it you know, take it easy on it. Uh, Friday, the uh, pre-show begins. And that's when, uh, you know, Friday morning at 8 a.m., that pre-show opens up. Uh, people run out there to stand in line for two or three hours to get uh, get a half a spot there. I slept in and got there at 9 o'clock just to walk around the pre-show. Uh, the Friday morning pre-show is as big as most pipe shows around the country. And, again, this is just a... Uh, you know, 80 half table or 80 tables and uh, half spots for everybody. Uh, did, you know, so that's, uh, I kind of wandered around and didn't really do anything right there at the pre-show, but I will say that, uh, you know, I had my, I had my mental list of things that I wanted to look for. And I had my budget because I had gotten rid of pipes earlier and kind of trimmed down. So I had my budget and I had in my mind what I was looking for. And when you're walking around the pre-show, uh, you know, that's kind of my, I, I really don't pull the trigger on the first time around. And I really didn't see anything at the pre-show that made me jump up and down. Uh, I did recall back to a Jody Davis brand new pipe that I saw up in Smoking Pipes. And I decided that on Friday after, uh, Friday after the pre-show, after walking around, you know what? It was time to pull the trigger on that one. Uh, Ewan Reese had an incredible collection Probably, I think it was three different estates, and they had rented a specific room, a separate room inside the hotel to display these pipes in. And it was a massive estate. I mean, 1,200 pipes. Uh, what caught my eye in particular, you know, we're moving, we're into a new house shortly. Uh, there was a couple of massive meerschaums. One of them, I took a picture of one of them on my Facebook page, so you can check that out. But uh, these these were single pipes that were 18 inches by 18 inches and had their own custom-made cases that looked like a suitcase. There was three or four of them. And by the time I decided that one of them that looked like a uh, looked like an old beer wagon and had actual two working axles and the bowl was right behind the driver and the stem came out the back of it, uh, by the time I decided to pull the trigger on that one at a mere $500, I went back and it was gone. So, you know, you snooze, you lose. But again, I I don't like walking, uh, you know, just on the on the Wednesday night, Thursday and then the early Friday just go out and blow your whole uh, your whole allotment right there in one shot. Um Friday afternoon, uh again, I had a had a couple of appointments. I pre-recorded a couple of interviews because I've got some travel coming up that I'll talk about next week. Uh, so into a hotel room to record a couple of interviews with, uh, folks from overseas. Uh, one who I'd never met before is Roberto Escorte. And, uh, let me tell you what a wonderful guy, wonderful. He and his wife, just great people. Uh, got a lot of good, uh, got a lot of good, uh, recordings from them. And then, uh, Antoine from, uh, Chacom was next. And uh, so those are things that you have to look forward to. So I got a little uh, international stuff going. Um, by Friday afternoon, the pre-show collapses, and Friday after uh, Friday evening is the uh, open uh, buffet 
at uh, you know a small buffet for six seven hundred of your closest friends and because of my schedule and uh, responsibilities i was a little late to that but uh after that was the world premiere of father the flame the uh, documentary is not quite complete they still have a few more things to do to it i personally decided not to go see it and well, main reason was it was on uh, banquet chairs in a uh, in a ballroom, and the idea of sitting on those chairs just was not appealing to my back. Uh, and there was a couple other things going on. the uh, uh, the basic uh, <laughs> The basic problem with the Chicago Pipe Show is there is really too much going on at the same time to get in, to get to see everything. I had agreed to meet with some folks in the smoking tent later that night, and because of that, I missed seeing Scott Thiele and a couple of the other musicians that had brought their instruments in the uh, owner suite playing, so I missed that, and uh, Rob Cooper's seminar, and there's a couple other seminars that I just couldn't get to because of scheduling, so... If you uh, if you look at the schedule in advance, you really want to you know you really want to plan your uh, plan your Chicago weekend out. Um, Saturday and Sunday, yeah, busy all day, uh, just busy all day. The Saturday night dinner was really nice, and then uh, the the only the only negatives that I will say is that the weather was not real hospitable this year. I did dress appropriately for what I thought the temperature would be in the smoking tent. And then there was a couple times at night where it got too cold. And then on Sunday night, they ran out of propane, so it was an Arctic mess out there. Uh, The attendance, in my opinion, seemed to be down. And keep in mind, this is the first year of the pipe show with the FDA deeming regulations being in effect. So... Was it down because people were afraid to be there? No, I think it was down because uh, people are stockpiling on tobaccos, and uh, if they, uh, you know, if you're going to spend time to fly to Chicago and spend three or four nights in a hotel room, that's a that's a good chunk of tobacco money that you could buy without going out there and doing that. Uh, overall. I want to say thank you to everybody that came up to me and uh, you know, talked to me about the radio show. I uh, heard from some folks, and I'm terrible with names, and I apologize right now, but I heard from some folks in Croatia, uh, Australia, I mean, just all across the globe. Every time one of you comes up to me and tells me how much you enjoy the radio show or tells me how bad it is, uh, I really appreciate it. It does mean a lot because you know, we're just sitting here kind of... Uh, I'm in my home office, and I don't hear any uh, clapping or booing, and out it goes. Uh, but I do appreciate that. Uh, Ole Sylvester of Monstrosity Pipes found on eBay a collection, a piece for my Disney World collection, and it's a uh, gorgeous little porcelain pipe that looks more like it might have been intended as a lady's pipe, but it came in a beautiful uh, Walt Disney World custom-made pipe box that I don't have with the uh, with the Disney World logo and the and the castle and the uh, and Spaceship Earth in the background with a monorail in front of it and Mickey on it. So that was really cool, and I got to hang out with Oli. I mean, just, 
you know, again, every time I think about what did I what did I do at the show, it's always great to catch up with friends, and I wish there was more time to sit down and really catch up with everybody. Um, Sunday night, uh, Pete Prevost and I went for pizza and a beer, and it was just nice, casual, and uh, just relaxing. And then Sunday evening, we ended up in the owner's suite because it was freezing, sitting there smoking and uh, enjoying the camaraderie of... Uh, of all the uh, all the folks around, and then off to bed and back home. Uh, let's see, did I miss anything? Let's see, the Jody Davis, no. Um, the uh, Pipes and Tobaccos magazine table. We were busy all day long, and uh, you know, got got to give out some uh, luggage tags to people. So hopefully they enjoy that. And uh, yeah, that's about it. So wrap that up, and in just a minute, Vernon Vig will be on the show with me. This is Internet Radio. My name is Shane Ireland, and I'm the pipe manager at SmokingPipes.com. It's my job to source and select the absolute best pipes from all over the world. We take collecting seriously, so you should think of us as your team of personal pipe shoppers. When you browse our site and make your selection, the pipe you've picked out has traveled from the maker to our merchandising and quality control department. It was then given to our highly skilled photographers, videographers, and copywriters before being carefully and lovingly packaged by our shipping team. The pipe you see is the pipe you get, and it's just the one you've been searching for. Whether you're on the hunt for that next special piece to add to your collection or would simply like a recommendation from our extensive selection of tobaccos, give us a call at 1-888-366-0345, and our friendly experts will be glad to assist you. We are quality. We are experts. We are collectors. We are smokingpipes.com. We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show, and I'm excited to bring to you a uh, pipe smoker that I've known for many years and has many years of pipe smoking history and uh, just had a, uh, had a pretty big day a little bit back there at the Chicago Pipe Show, but... Vernon Vig, welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Glad to be with you, Brian. All right, so everybody knows up front uh, you're a lawyer and you're not charging me by the hour, are you? No. Okay, good. <laughs> it's a flat fee deal. We agreed on that. Yeah. And it's, Hefty, and, I thought. But... <laughs> and it's all signed and sealed. Um, yes, yes. All right, let's get to know you. So you, you've got a, a momentous 80th birthday coming up, so you're not one of those new kids that just got into the hobby a few weeks ago. Uh, not exactly, not exactly. <laughs> where, did you, uh, where did you grow up, and when did you start smoking a pipe? Well, my uh, father smoked a pipe, my grandfather smoked a pipe, and uh, as I've learned more about my... Norwegian and Swedish ancestors, I've discovered that many of them, <clears throat> both male and female, were pipe smokers. So I've decided that this must be in the genes. It's not something I just picked up. I, I, I had no choice in the matter. <laughs> I, uh, I grew up out in uh, a small town in Minnesota, actually. My uh, Swedish ancestors had been very early settlers out there. In fact, uh, they were the uh, first white settlers in, in, in a place called Clay County, Minnesota, which is just east of Fargo-Moorhead. 
and my grandmother, my mother's mother, Swedish, was the uh, first uh, white child born in Clay County, Minnesota. And when she was a little kid, she played with Indian children because there were no other, no other Americans there yet. Huh. Um, that's where I grew up. And then I moved when I was uh, about 15. I got a scholarship and, and came east to a, a prep school of all things. And uh, after that, went back to Minnesota to a place called Carleton College. Uh, and from there to NYU Law School in Greenwich Village in New York City. And from there to the law school at the University of Paris. Well, I also got a degree and eventually became a, a lawyer in Paris as well as in New York. There you are. Wow. All right, so you had so you had law degrees in the U.S. and in Paris. Yeah. So your so your French is probably pretty good. It was pretty good, yes. <laughs> All right. When in there? Do you, do you remember when in there you actually started smoking a pipe? Yeah. Well, the first uh, my brother and I had a treehouse behind the house, and uh, I guess uh, wanting to imitate our father. We made corncob pipes out of real corncobs and a twig that we stuck a wire through so you could draw through it. And we uh, uh, got some dried box elder leaves, which we uh, ground up and, and, and puffed at a, a bit in our corncob pipes. So that was the first first pipe experience. Not to be repeated. I don't recommend it. Um, uh, then I, I finally bought a pipe when I was 17 uh, and about to graduate from high school. And I suppose uh, I bought that because I had been spending a lot of time with the man at the school who was in charge of uh, admissions and, and scholarship students. Uh, he, a wonderful old New Englander named Pike Rounds. Isn't that a great name? Pike Rounds. Wow. <laughs> he had, had on his desk a big jar full of tobacco and, 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 and puffed away all day long. I bought a uh, $7 French-made uh, Group 3 Dublin uh, pipe with a horn stem, I remember. And I must have had that pipe for at least 35 years before it disappeared. And I suppose uh, having started with that French pipe, it explains why I've always had a a liking for uh, for French pipes. Yeah, so you must have been in some of those old New York and Paris, and I'm assuming you got to London. You must have been in some of those great old pipe shops. Oh, more than you can <laughs> more than you can count on. I uh, in the in the village there in, in Greenwich Village in New York, right next to the law school on Eighth Street, there was the Eighth Street Pipe Store which was a wonderful, small, old-fashioned pipe store run by a, an older man who knew a lot about pipes. And uh, had a, he introduced me to some Danish pipes, and also uh, he had his own line called Villager Pipes, and I still have a couple of them. He also had some absolutely wonderful uh, tobaccos, uh, one of which, whose name I can't remember at the moment, uh, was the only tobacco I think I've ever smoked 
uh, and you could smoke all over in those days, whether in a store or whatever, where any time I smoked it, somebody would say, what is that you're smoking? That is the most beautiful smell I've ever... I, it was incredible. I've always wondered where the recipe for that tobacco is and what it was, but it was it was amazing. Uh, yeah, then I... Uh, I, uh, we, we moved from uh, New York to Paris in 1965, uh, no, in 1963, and uh, uh, yeah, I uh, got to uh, visit a, a number of pipe shops in, 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 in Paris. Um, there was a uh, place uh, right next to, on the Avenue de l'Opéra, right next to uh, the Dunhill store, was a, a French brand called Sommer, S-O-M-M-E-R, which had beautiful French pipes. I remember the guy in there holding it up and saying, yep, just as good as a Dunhill. <laughs> and uh, I, I still have a number of those. They're just beautiful, beautiful pipes. There was a place called Ocaid, C-A-I-D, that still exists on the, right across the street from the Sorbonne. Uh, it's now owned by uh, Chacam, and it's a it's a nice uh, nice little store uh, that I would recommend people stop in and and and, and, and visit if they're in in, in Paris. Uh, it's uh, it's worth the visit. Um, there are other shops in in in, in Paris. There's a New one called the Opipe du Nord, the Pipe of the North, uh, which uh, has recently been renovated and uh, upgraded and has a new owner, and uh, they have put in a smoking parlor. Uh, mm. So you can go and sit and, and, and puff away in there. It's a, it's a very, very nice place. Um, I uh, guess for about... We stayed in Paris here through, through 1971, and uh, then after that, I, I, I came back to New York, but I really didn't come back because uh, for the next uh, 20 years or whatever, more, I guess, I, I was really uh, in New York about half the time and in Europe about half the time. Uh, so I was traveling uh, a great deal. And uh, often I would find myself somewhere uh, on a Saturday morning and, and I would find a pipe shop. And I would stop in and uh, uh, always found these were very, very friendly, friendly places. Uh, but I got to know a, a number of them. I went to uh, London, of course, and uh, uh, that was a time when on German Street, there was one pipe shop after another. There was Astley's, there was uh, Sheraton, there was Dunhill, Peterson's, J.J. <laughs> wow. uh, Fox. Uh, they all had, uh, and uh, I, I forgot, uh, I forgot uh, one of them that uh, it, it, it was very dear to me, uh, which is Freeburg and Trayer. Yeah. Uh, uh, we were in London, I remember, at Christmas in 1963, and I found the and Trayer shop and went in there, and it was like going to heaven. They just had a whole shop full of tables full of beautiful pipes. 
the only mistake I made was I had to stay at that point at the table that had the lower price pipes. I just wish I'd had money to buy some of the really <laughs> nice ones at the other end of the and under the table, but it was a great place. I came to like foxes a great deal over the years because I used to uh, stay in a hotel uh, called Fleming's that was in Half Moon Street and was quite close to Fox. So my routine got to be to go down to Fox about 9 o'clock in the morning when they opened and sit down and have a nice coffee, cup of coffee, which they always served, and smoke a pipe before I went on to the office. I really enjoyed that, and uh, sadly enough, I was in there uh, the day before the smoking ban went into effect in London. That was a that was a Saturday in in in, in Foxes. Now they're still there, and uh, again, uh, the people are in London. I I think they should go and visit. Foxes now has a. Uh, smoking lounge up on their second floor as well and uh, that's where the pipe club of london meets i hope i can join them for one of their meetings uh, one of these days so that's that's uh, pretty much uh, oh ashley i forgot ashley ashley shop i i, I loved uh, there was one guy in there who ran it uh, Colonel Paul, oh, I don't remember his last name, but Colonel Paul was, was great. He knew, he knew every pipe in the shop and he knew his customers very well. So when I would come in, he would say, ah, I have one or two pieces that might be of interest to you. And, uh, he would go ahead and bring me a couple of pipes. And, uh, of course, every time he was, uh, spot on. Uh, so I ended up with a, a, a fair number of Ashleys over the years. And I was very sad when, when, when that shop finally finally closed. The Melville father and son also used to sell pipes outside in the market near Piccadilly. And uh, they were, father and son had both worked at Sheraton, and uh, they had some nice pipes. I remember one time I went over there, I went from Ashleys over to, to Melville, to their, their, and I was uh, smoking a, a pipe I had just bought at Ashley. And I remember the senior Melville said, could I see that pipe for a minute? He took it, he held it up, looked at it, and he said, Billy Taylor made that pipe, just like that. Billy Taylor made that pipe. <laughs> Ashley pipes used to be made by uh, by a lot of uh, other pipe makers, of course. Well, that's, that's, that's London. Uh, it's unfortunately uh, not as much of a pipe smoking place as, uh, as it used to be and uh, there apparently are still a couple of hotels that have uh, big terraces or balconies or something where you can sit on and have a drink and, and, and smoke but uh, otherwise uh, a couple of times I found myself sitting in the park and hoping no Bobby's going to come along and arrest me but <laughs> anyway that's London. The other place I went a great deal was Stuttgart because I used to do a lot of work with Porsche so I would get there several times a year and uh, there were uh, two wonderful pipe shops in Stuttgart uh, two of which still exist um, oh, I'm having trouble remembering the name of one that has a, a, 
their own tobaccos as well. And uh, it used to be like uh, almost a museum when you went in there. Beautiful displayed pipes. And, uh, maybe it'll come to me. The other one is uh, called the Alta Tabashtuba, the old pipe place. And uh, it's still there. And uh, they had also a wonderful, wonderful selection of pipes and, 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 and their own tobacco. Uh, they introduced me to many different pipes. Uh, I got, uh, 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 they had, they had the, among the best collections of Dunhills I've ever seen. Uh, the young owner, Ralph, used to go to London and hand-pick uh, uh, pipes that he would sell in, in, in the shop. And uh, wow. they were, the, the last one I bought from him was a wonderful 3103 tan shell. On oh, beautiful pipe. Which I resold for about 100% profit one day just because it came along. <laughs> um, he also has very nice tobaccos. And that anybody who goes to Stuttgart should look for the all to Tabash Tuba and go in and, and, and visit. Um, they introduced me to uh, German pipes, uh, to Danish pipes, and uh, the only sad thing was I couldn't afford a lot of the pipes they had in there, but I, I always enjoyed going in there. I remember I, I first met Eric Nording in there. Eric Nording was set up with a wheel and was polishing pipes and finishing pipes in there, and I remember I spent a a good part of the day with Eric Nording and and, and enjoyed it very much. Um, where are we? Stuttgart. Um, I got to Copenhagen in time to see and visit the old W. O. Larson store, which was great. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I got to the uh, no, there was a there was a wonderful old pipe shop in Oslo, Norway. Uh, uh, I don't remember the name of the pipe. I know, but I just can't remember the name of the of the pipes offhand. Uh, that was that was wonderful. There are no more such shops, of course. Uh, I have a couple of Swedish pipes that I bought in Stockholm. One that I treasure. I was told but was was made by some. Uh, old Swedish partner, a farmer out in the country who would come in once a year with a few pipes for the store to sell. Very nice old pipe. <laughs> um, I got places like Tokyo. I went to Tokyo a lot, and uh, there uh, I found in particular one little shop on the Ginza. Uh, again, I, I know right where it is, but I can't tell you the name because I can't remember the owner was a was a wonderful, wonderful guy, uh, sweet as could be, and he was a he liked Danish pipes, and he would go to Denmark at least once a year, and 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 bring pipes back. Uh, I don't think I bought any Danish pipes from him, but I bought a couple of handmade Japanese pipes uh, made by just artisans who were. Uh, on their own and, 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 and making pipes, a couple of really, really nice pipes. He also, 
he had been a chemist or something at some earlier stage of his life, and he has a, and they still sell him, a pipe polishing cloth that has something in it, secret ingredient, that is the <laughs> best pipe polishing cloth I've, I've ever found anywhere. It's just wonderful. Barney Suzuki in Tokyo knows I like these, and uh, every time we get together, he brings me a couple of them so that I'm, I don't run out. Um, <laughs> very, very nice. Um, where else did I go? Well, I've been to pipe shop in, in, in uh, uh, Buenos Aires. I found a pipe shop. Can you believe it? It wasn't easy. Uh, in the basement of a building, I remember, and uh, I didn't buy any pipes there, but I remember admiring a beautiful, beautiful, old, intricate meerschaum which the owner claimed had belonged to Franz Joseph of Austria, Emperor Franz Joseph. And it might well have. I don't know. It was a fantastic piece. Uh, but he wanted $2,000 for it, so he's probably still got it. Uh, and then uh, uh, in Brazil, I, a couple places too, uh, although Brazil isn't really a, a pipe-smoking country either. So the, what, we're, now we're back to where? We're back to France. Uh, and uh, I uh, went down to uh, Saint Claude, France, where the French, the, the, the pipe, former pipe capital of the world, and probably still the pipe capital of the world, uh, for the first time in I think about 2000. Bob Page from the Philadelphia Club and I somehow got invited down there to attend the first. World Cup of pipe smoking. I had never heard about it before, but which was uh, which was held down there in Dijon, where the mustard comes from. And uh, I was quite taken with Saint Claude. I was walking around the street. It's not a big place, thinking I would find Chacam or Boutchoukin or some pipe uh, factory and, and and visit. And I saw a little sign that said uh, uh, "Pipe Atelier." And I went in there, and that turned out to be Jackie Crane and uh, the Genot uh, pipe uh, place. And I remember uh, we hit it off immediately, and I spent the entire morning with Jackie, looking through all the pipes he had there in his in his uh, in his workshop. And then he took me over to uh, uh, his retail store on the main street in Saint Claude, which was. Uh, run by his wife at the time, and uh, I spent the whole afternoon with Catherine looking at more Genot pipes, which I had never heard of before. And I thought they were so great that I bought uh, like three dozen of them, uh, <laughs> thinking that I would, uh, he gave me a fantastic price. But anyway, I wanted to bring them back and, and put them in a shop in New York because, uh, again, I'd never seen one here. Actually, I guess... Erwin Reith used to used to sell Juno pipes because Jackie himself had worked at Erwin Reith uh, when he was 18 or something for a, for a summer, but I had never heard of them. Anyway, I brought back the three dozen pipes and took them to uh, De La Concha in New York uh, on Sixth Avenue and uh, sold them all. And uh, ever since. Uh, uh, Genoa pipes have been popping up in in, in, in many new uh, in many new places. Uh, 
There are also there was also a wonderful shop there called the La Croix. Now, you probably heard of La Croix pipes, and uh, Jean La Croix stopped making pipes or died or something some some years ago. But his widow still has a shop uh, again right next to Jackie Cran's shop, uh, where she's got some absolutely beautiful old. Lacroix pipes. I bought three or four when I was there uh, last June, I guess, and uh, um, <laughs> I uh, got to know uh, uh, the people at uh, uh, Shechem and, and, and visited that uh, uh, old, old factory. They have a new, beautiful new place now yeah. just outside of St. Claude where they have both their workshop or factory. It's hard to call them a factory when there are a total of like 20, 25 employees, but uh, uh, a far cry from the days when thousands and thousands of uh, people worked in the St. Claude the pipe factories. Uh, but he's got this beautiful uh, uh, workshop, factory, and, uh, and a beautiful, beautiful uh, uh, retail uh, shop right right in the same place and anybody who ever gets to St. Claude uh, should be sure to uh, uh, to visit that uh, anyway I kept uh, in touch with all these French guys and got to know them better and better and uh, in 2012 I guess it was they asked me if I wanted to become a member of their uh, Confrérie uh, of, of master pipe makers, they call it. Uh, a wonderful uh, organization that's uh, uh, full of tradition and uh, and uh, ceremonies and uh, made up of now uh, has members from all over the world. But the people there at Saint Claude uh, are, are people who just absolutely uh, love pipes and pipe smoking and and. Uh, have such a good time doing it that being with them is, 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 is a real joy. So anyway, I got inducted into this confrérie <clears throat> in 2012, and uh, I, I wrote about that in the uh, winter issue or spring issue, I don't know, one of the recent issues of Pipe and Tobacco magazine. Yeah. Um, and uh, if anybody's interested, they can look at that and they will see. I, I, I sort of describe it as becoming like a, a member of the priesthood, <laughs> or uh, being knighted or something. It's, uh, it's really quite exceptional. Uh, Sykes Wilford was 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 there more recently, and uh, I was there when 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 he was inducted. Uh, it's something other American pipe smokers might wish to consider. Uh, members can propose. Uh, new members, and uh, it, it doesn't cost much. The only thing is you have to be in St. Claude for the induction ceremony, uh, which you would want to be anyway. But it's, a, it's a, anybody who's interested in, in uh, the traditions of pipe making, pipe smoking, uh, etc., uh, really should uh, take a weekend at least down in, in, in St. Claude, which is in the Jura Mountains down there, and sort of west of Geneva. It's a beautiful, beautiful country, and uh, you'll enjoy it. 
That's Maybe a, I'll stop there for a minute, Brian. That's a perfect place for us to take a break. When we come back, we'll talk uh, uh, UPCA, IPSD, and uh, I promise no lawyer jokes. So we'll be back in just a minute. What are you looking for in a pipe? Is it the quality of aged briar? Is it a certain shape or finish? Maybe it's the sound engineering that ensures an effortless, smooth draw with each and every puff. That's exactly the kind of pipe Savinelli has delivered for generations now. With such a variety of shapes, finishes, and sizes, it's easy to find something that fits your sensibility and style. Just this year, we've expanded our lineup to include the Bianca, the Lancelotto, the 2015 collection, and the final installment in the Leonardo da Vinci line, the Vitruvio. For a bolder style, try our more colorful 2015 editions as well. The exotic cashmere, the sultry licoricea, and the striking archipelago red. So whatever you're looking for in a pipe, know there's a Savinelli waiting for you. Contact your local or online retailer to find your Savinelli today. We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show visiting with Vernon Vig, who uh, many of you may not know, but, and I may have this wrong, but you'll, you'll correct me because you will. Uh, was the International Pipe Smoking Day, was that really a, 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 were you the one that first thought of it, started it up, pushed it? No, I wasn't the one. I don't know how I first heard of it. I think it was like 2008. And somehow I heard that a group, a small group of smokers forums or something, uh, there were some members in London and some in uh, Vancouver, Canada. And I got in touch with the guy in Vancouver and who explained the whole thing to me, and I thought it was a great idea. So I, I, I came back and... Uh, told the people in New York about it and uh, at, at UPCA about it and uh, I told the uh, European uh, group about it and uh, it, it, it caught on. We, uh, I was lucky that in 2008 there, the first year, uh, I actually was able to get an article about International Pipe Smoking Day on the uh, first page of the Wall Street Journal. <laughs> wow. uh, and uh, it was... They sort of uh, questioned our insanity and so on, but uh, beyond that, it was all positive, and uh, <laughs> I've always been been proud of that. Uh, oh, the International Pipe Smoking Day again—that's how it started. Very, very small. A couple of guys in in London, and it's February 20 every year. And the reason it's February 20 is because that's the day they decided they were going to do this. <laughs> uh, that's that's the only significance. Of and. But it was these pipe, pipe smokers forums in London and in, 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 in Vancouver. And, uh, gee, it's caught on. It's, it's a worldwide thing now. If you uh, watch on the Internet, you'll see people all over the world are lifting their pipes and, and, and celebrating on each uh, February 20. We had a wonderful get-together here in New York this past year at the new Barclay Rex pipe shop uh, uh, downtown New York, uh, and really, really, really had a good time. Uh, got one other article about it one time. I went to the St. Louis Pipe Show 
uh, which took place on, on International Pipe Smoking Day. And uh, I convinced Bob Calloway that we should uh, celebrate the moment and, and uh, that he should use his uh, influence there in, in, in St. Louis to uh, see if he couldn't get a uh, somebody from a newspaper over. And he did. <laughs> uh, and, and he got a, a reporter and a photographer to come to his uh, St. Louis Pipe Show. They took a lot of pictures. This was on a Saturday. And Sunday morning, first thing, there was a very long article about the pipe show and about International Pipe Smoking Day in the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. Uh, I think it's the only newspaper article I've seen in recent times that was 100% positive. Uh, there wasn't even the usual line of, of course, uh, tobacco or nicotine or something is addictive or dangerous. There was nothing. It was all positive. So I always congratulated Bob Calloway on that. It was a, it was a really nice article. <laughs> um, so that's International Pipe Smoking Day, and I'm so glad it's uh, caught on. You could have fooled me. Uh, when I first heard about it, I wasn't, wasn't sure this was something that was going to go anywhere, but it has. <laughs> Uh, let's backtrack a little bit, because when you first started doing all this international travel, were you able to smoke your pipe on the airplane? Ah, uh, yes. Wow. Yes. Uh, I used to go to L.A. quite a bit, and uh, coming back from L.A., I would uh, always uh, sit back and, and, and puff. And uh, I remember uh, I used to come back from Paris and or London a lot on, on the Concorde. And uh, I remember in Paris, you'd get on the Concorde at 11 o'clock in the morning, Paris time, yeah. eat a really nice, good lunch, light a pipe, sit back, have a few puffs, and you would arrive in New York where it would be 8.30 in the morning. <laughs> so that you could, you could get to the office by 9.30 the same day if you wanted to. Uh, However, I discovered at some point that the travel does take something out of you. I came back one of those days and went to an important client meeting about noon that day. And at some point, uh, I, I was talking quite a bit, but at some point I stopped and listened to myself and decided this was not the day I should be doing so much talking. So I, I stopped. <laughs> That's like uh, most days for me. Yeah. Well, there I was. Um uh, and do you so, in the in the late sixties, early seventies? Do you remember how much pipe tobacco you were consuming a week? I mean, because you could smoke just about anywhere you wanted to, except I think like the delivery rooms or. You know, yeah, well, I one time had a quite a serious operation here in the Long Island College Hospital, and I was in the hospital for I guess several days afterwards, and uh, it's. I remember my wife came over one day and I said, you know, I'm, I'm doing fine, but it would really be great if I could have a smoke. Would you uh, uh, bring me one of my pipes the next time you come over? And, and she did. So I sat there in the hospital room, uh, puffing contentedly on my pipe, and, and uh, recovery, recovery picked up fast. <laughs> uh, of course, we all smoked in the office. Everybody smoked. Yeah. And uh, uh, I'd come in the office. Well, it depended. Uh, sometimes I would, uh, at one period, I would, I would go over to Delaconcha 
nine in the morning and have a smoke like at the, like at Fox's before I went to the office. But uh, in the office, sure, sure we, we, we smoked away. I was in the 30 Rock at the time, 30 Rock Philip Plaza, a wonderful old building where you could open the windows uh, uh, three, four inches, and, and, and that was all the ventilation you needed. It was, it was, it was perfect. Um, how much did I smoke? I don't yeah. know. I don't know. I don't know. I forgot to mention, I also used to spend a lot of time uh, uh, with Elliot Knockwalter, uh, yeah. I forgot the Wilkie shop, and, and uh, uh, going back in 1962-63, another guy, a friend and I, were both working sort of moonlighting at a legal publisher uh, around Grand Central, and we would get paid uh, every two weeks, and uh, we would take our paychecks and go immediately to Wilkie, which was about three blocks away. And we would each buy a pipe, and then we would have a contest over the weekend to see which of us could color it up the most over the weekend. <laughs> but I, 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 I've still got any number of Wilkies that uh, I, I still love. They're wonderful, wonderful pipes. Again, sort of like the French pipes, natural and uh, not expensive, but old wood is good, good, really good smoking. Um, so that was Wilkie, and I've got a number of Elliot Knockwalder's pipes. We had I used to pop in there often uh, uh, over the noon hour and 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 and, and, and uh, talk and, and smoke. One, uh, they had a number of important uh, celebrity customers, including Walter Cronkite was a was a big uh, customer at, at Wilkie's, and. Uh, he would come in and get big cans of uh, mixture number 78. And uh, I remember uh, one time on Saturday Night Live, uh, the woman who died, Glenda, what was her name, Glenda? Gilda Radner. Gilda Radner said she had spent the night with Walter Cronkite. And she said, and I've got his pipe tobacco to prove it. And then she held up a big can of mixture 78. <laughs> and the people in the Wilkie shop were, were absolutely delighted. I've got the, his pipe tobacco, I can prove it. Oh, that was fun. Uh, where are we? Uh, let, let me ask you, because you're... Every time I see you at a pipe show, you've got your table set up and you've got pipes for sale. And I've actually bought a three from you that I think are sitting here. Uh, yeah. At the at the biggest moment, how how big was your pipe collection? Oh, I, I really don't know. Uh, one point when my uh, when my uh, daughter was a teenager, she and a couple of friends decided they would count them. And uh, I think she said they, they stopped uh, somewhere at thirteen or 1,400. So wow. I had more than that. And ever since, I've been trying to pass them on to others who can enjoy them. Uh, I'd rather have others enjoying them than just sitting in a, in a box here. 
and and yet you're still also buying the occasional new pipe when you see one that you like. Well, if I if I see something that just uh, jumps off the table, it's something I don't have. I try hard, but uh, I, I've got the bug, obviously. And then the last question, because we're running out of time. Um, you have, uh, over over your entire time of pipe smoking, have you had a f- preferred shape or size of pipe? Oh, sure. Easy to say. It's a, a straight billiard group three size. Uh, God knows how many pipes I have like that. But I go and see some other people's collections that have uh, bent pipes, carved pipes. I often notice that there are similarities in in their uh, pipes as well. I wanted to mention one other thing, Brian, that I'm proud of, and that is is UPCA and how that came about. And uh, uh, it was when I was over in the at that first World Cup thing in, in, in France in 2000, that I saw how much fun people were having at these uh, the smoking contests. Uh, the, the contest is just a vehicle to bring bike smokers together and have fun together. But uh, then I learned that in, I, I wondered if Americans could, uh, could participate. They said, well, the CIPC, the International Committee of Pipe Clubs, was a... a, a federation of national uh, pipe federations so you had to have an american pipe federation in order to join so that then i came back and that's when i formed i guess this was 2000 2001 upca uh, simply so that we could participate in those in those uh, contests uh, and uh, i think at the beginning we had maybe six members or something like that. There weren't many pipe clubs at that point. But uh, one of the uh, successes of UPCA that people forget about, I think, is that uh, we don't just put on the contest at Chicago every year. Uh, The whole idea was to promote and uh, support the formation of pipe clubs. And if you look around the country right now, you will see that pipe clubs have popped up all over. And... uh, I think today uh, the local pipe clubs are, are one of the the, the, it's, it's the main centers of, of pipe smoking in the United States. And I think UPCA had something to do with this spread of pipe clubs, and I'm, I'm, I'm proud of that because I think it's really a good thing for all of us, for pipe smokers, for the pipe and tobacco industry, everybody. And uh, so I'm very glad that that, that happened again completely unexpected but that's that's the way it came out yeah and if the laws go the way they go this uh the upca me may, may become the underground railroad of how we connect with each other who knows yeah who knows? <laughs> uh and then the other big news is that at this just past uh chicago pipe show you are now uh not only do you have uh two law degrees but you have a brand new doctor of pipes so welcome to the club and congratulations I'm honored and humiliated to be one of you uh, pipe intellectuals. I think it's wonderful. 
<laughs> well, as I told my parents, they said, you know, you've always wanted me to get a get a high college degree. Now I've got a doctorate, so haha. Yeah, well, as I mentioned earlier, my wife has a doctorate, and we get mail at home addressed to Mr. and Dr. Vig. <laughs> now maybe I'll get a little more respect. Who knows? Maybe just from another the post pipe, office. Another pipe dream. Another pipe dream. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know the, the, the respect may come from others, but I don't think the wife will uh, fall for it. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> well, Brian, this has been a lot of fun. Oh, you're not out of it yet, because we're going to wrap this oh. up with the fast five final questions. No right answer, okay. no wrong answer, just whatever comes to your mind. Are you ready? Sure. This, yep. this is like being in uh, working a trial again. Here you go. What is your favorite pipe? My favorite pipe is a billiard uh, group uh, 3103, a Dunhill shell that the uh, New York Pipe Club had made specially for me uh, when I stepped on as president of the New York Pipe Club in 2012 or whenever it is. Just a beautiful, beautiful pipe that came in a big, wooden presentation box and and it smokes like a dream i'm very proud that's my favorite pipe and what is your favorite tobacco favorite tobacco well i switch back and forth i uh i like uh, uh virginia flakes a lot and i've been smoking a lot of virginia uh dunhill light flake i've still got a lot of old murray tins that i smoke. And also, uh, I have to say, a favorite of mine is a tobacco that uh, I think tastes just great. I mean, we all we all have our own uh, likes and dislikes. This is uh, this is uh, uh, Greg Pease's uh, uh, Piccadilly mixture, which is sort of a light English. He describes it as a. Uh, British uh, tea, uh, <laughs> I, know, I forget what he calls it exactly, but it, it has, a, for me, a distinct taste that I just love. I can't smoke it all day, but I uh, I have at least one bowl every day. What is your favorite drink? Well, unfortunately, I had to stop drinking about 20 years ago, and uh, so... Uh, I guess a cup of coffee these days is my favorite drink. Mine too. Uh, when it's time to relax, do you prefer a book, a movie, or music? Book, probably. If I can stay awake, yes. <laughs> and then the last question may be really tough for you, but is there a particularly favorite pipe-smoking-related memory that we didn't talk about? Oh, dear. Well, again, Brian, there are just so many. I'm not... not Maybe it's just the uh, the first pipe every day is is a wonderful memory for that day. Yeah, I guess with uh, with almost sixty three years of uh, pipe smoking experience, uh, it'd be kind of hard to pick one for me. Yeah, yeah. Well, Vernon, a lot of good ones. A lot of good ones. I will. Uh, uh, I'll finish this up with saying thank you very much. Uh, welcome to the club, and thank you for everything you've done over the past, I don't know, 40, 50 years for the uh, pipe-smoking community. Brian, you're most welcome. Thank you. 
I enjoy your show and uh, commend you for keeping it going. And we'll be back in just a minute. I'm Jeremy Reeves, head blender of Cornell and Deal Pipe Tobacco Company. Since 1990, Cornell and Deal has been producing high-quality pipe tobacco, expertly blended by hand using time-honored methods, unique recipes, and no small amount of innovation. One example of such innovation is our bestseller, Autumn Evening. We start with whole leaf red Virginia and strip the stems by hand. The tobacco is then cut into ribbons and cooked for two days according to our unique recipe to create our special Red Virginia Cavendish. Then we infuse the tobacco while it's still hot with our secret flavoring to achieve the sublime sweetness, deep flavor, and delightful aroma that makes Autumn Evening so well loved by our loyal customers and everyone around them as they enjoy this very special blend. Cornell and Deal Pipe Tobacco Company. It's a labor of love. Contact your local or online retailer for information. This is Internet Radio. We are back live here in uh, Concord, North Carolina. And, uh, you know, after 60-plus years of pipe smoking, I mean, there's a ton of history there. And my table is right next to Vernon's the for on Saturday and Sunday, and he is just as passionate about pipe smoking as he was the day he started. And... Uh, Man, I'll tell you, he was on the go the whole time. Hard to keep up with sometimes. Uh, speaking of the uh, Chicago Pipe Show, if you want to uh, hear a uh, hear a great perspective, check out Country Squire Radio. Uh, their uh, John David's uh, perspective of Pheasant Run in the Pipe Show itself was priceless. So check out their uh, podcast as well. And uh, no music tonight, so straight to the alert one. The mailbag quickly from last week. Casey Ghost writes uh, your tobacco ex- your tobacco smoking experiment to determine how much tobacco you need to sell her was a good idea, but might present a problem overall. At one pound a month, you need twelve pounds just to last a year. Say thirty years, and you need three hundred and sixty pounds. Do you have that much space and money? That's a good question. Um, yeah, uh, you know, I need to I need to look at uh, space and. Uh, finances but you know what i'm going to give it a valid a valiant effort uh he also writes phil was a real good guest though he was a little soft-spoken i thought some of his pipes were interesting i'm kind of interested in canes as i need one for walking but his canes cost as much as his pipes and then uh, dan (laughs) finishes it off with the who be damned uh al jones writes great interview had uh had heard of phil before I've been a fan of the Calabash pipe. I've never been a fan of the Calabash pipe shape until I saw Phil's acrylic version. They are stunning. Uh, where did you find that song? I saw Jeff Beck and Stevie Ray Vaughan in concert together just before his death. It was one of the best concerts I've ever seen. Al, it's on uh, Spotify. I just happened to find it. And then Ozzy Flyer says, "Just a quick hello from a complete newbie from Australia." I'm thoroughly enjoying every show, currently catching up on the archives and up to episode 178. I learn something new every time, and for that I'm very grateful to you, Brian, for both your expertise and the clarity with which you present it. Boy, I'm glad it's clear. Sometimes I wonder what I just said. 
Um, I have to say it can get a bit depressing hearing comments about the size and variety of people's sellers, and I'm green with envy of you U.S. residents. When a guest or listener says a certain tobacco is a bit expensive, I just have to smile and feel like I'm posting a price list from Australia. Oh, I just have to smile and I feel like posting a price list from Australia. Yeah, they're getting screwed there. Uh, he goes on to write, courtesy of our nanny state government, tax on tobacco here is now 762 Australian dollars per kilo. Put simply, that adds roughly 30 U.S. dollars to every 50 gram tin. To add insult to injury, we have a limited choice of blends compared to you guys. Anyway, enough of my rant. I'm enjoying trying whatever new blends I can, and it's a whole new world to me. Your show is educating me, proving that you can teach an old dog new tricks, as this 57-year-old old dog is having a lot of fun. Keep up the good work, and thanks again, Mike. Mike, you're welcome. And yeah, I apologize for you folks down in uh, uh, down under. You guys are getting hammered as way harder than we will ever get hammered. All right, in just a minute, rant time. Cowboy. Cowboy. Get to a pipe show. That's my rant. Yes, the question was proposed to me uh, three different times over the five days of Chicago. How do we make shows better? We want to start up a show. What do we do? How do we get it better? Well, here's how we get it better. We pipe smokers have to get out to these pipe shows. You have to start planning, budgeting, and set money aside. If you're passionate enough about pipe smoking to listen to this show, then you are passionate enough to go to a pipe show. You don't have to bring money to buy stuff. You have to go to a pipe show. You have to get and meet these pipe makers. You have to meet the other pipe smokers. You have to learn from, listen to several different times. When I just walked up to a table that didn't, I didn't know anybody. I just sat down and started talking to them. It was great conversation. And there was tobaccos on the table that people were offering to try. You need to get to a pipe show. There is so much information out there and so many great and wonderful people in our little hobby that the more we are together, the better we are. The more we get to pipe shows, the more the manufacturers, suppliers, distributors, importers, the more interested they are going to be in coming to those pipe shows and supporting those shows. Don't let any federal legislation or whatever it is deter you. Get to a pipe show. There are three tried and true pipe shows long-lasting right now the chicago show that just ended columbus in uh, coming up in august and the west coast pipe show in las vegas in november and i'll add to that the st louis pipe show next february so there's four that are tried and true full day long events weekend events where comfortable smoking places and great people to come hang out with so there you go you want to help the pipe shows help the pipe community Set some money aside and get yourself to a pipe show this year. If you've never been, you'll meet a ton of wonderful people. I mean, just at the Chicago Pipe Show alone, 
Uh, this is show number 243, so figure we've had uh, 220 different guests on there. I would imagine there was about 175, 180 of the show guests were walking around that show. All right, uh, once again, don't forget, JDRF donations still open for one more week, and you get to win the Lunting t-shirt. Uh, comments, questions, email me, brian at pipesmagazine.com. Post them on the uh, Pipes Magazine radio show page on the forum. Follow me on Facebook. Follow the Pipes Magazine radio show on Facebook. And, uh, hey, keep smoking your pipe and get outside and do it in public. All right. Uh, thank you to Vernon Vig for joining me. Thank you all for tuning in. And until next time. Just sing a song and think about sunny weather. Happy trails to the bum ba dee da 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 bum